Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. On for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Coming up in uh, this hour, we will very quickly get into the Roshan Corporation's look back at some of the more memorable teams in the state of Iowa. Today, it's the 2002 Iowa State football program. Our friend Scott Nock was on Dan McCarney's staff. Oh, yes, he was at that time. Scott Nock uh, works with us here at uh, iHeart Des Moines. Uh, Then we'll talk to Dave Sprow. Dave was or is at KASI, a sister station in Ames, 1430. Cyclones play on KASI in Ames. And we'll uh, end things with our buddy Tom Kakert from HawkeyeReport.com. The Hawkeye media, sports media, met yesterday uh, via Zoom with Fran McCaffrey and some nuggets coming out. Uh, about that, including Jordan Bohanna, maybe in the best shape of his life, according to his head coach. Well, we hear that during the off seasons of <laughs> oh, many yeah. different sports. <laughs> That's true. That happens very often, but you just go back a couple of years. His sophomore campaign, he had the plantar fasciitis, of course, mm. what he went through last year uh, with the the injury. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that. And this team, there is a ton of talent there. Garza comes back in the middle. Preseason. Top it, five. Top five, for sure. I've seen them there at CBS. Mm -hmm. I've seen them a couple of different places. I think uh, Lenardi, his latest bracket, had them as a four seed. What? I believe that I saw. Top five? Yeah. Well, who knows? Top ten? Yeah. Top ten. Because there's going to be other things that still happen this offseason. Probably some guys coming back. And it's still still Iowa. And we're talking about national Mm -hmm. people putting them up there. A guy or two have them top five, but when the AP poll comes out, I think top ten, probably a little bit more realistic. Still, they're going to be good. And the preseason, National Player of the Year, because Obi Toppin? He's gone. He's gone. Indeed. Luca Garza may be gone, but we don't think he's going to be gone. All right, let's get into a trend. Roshan Corporation, we went from some of the better teams in the state of Iowa once we ran out of those. Uh, We then switched to the more memorable teams. And boy, this one fits the bill. 2002 Iowa State, it started in Late August, as the squad went down to Arrowhead to take on number three Florida State. And oh, yeah, they had a pretty good, pretty famous coach uh, on the other sideline as well. Arrowhead Stadium uh, went from there. Then a couple of games later, they would show up at uh, Kinnick Stadium, fall behind early, explode in the third quarter. The Texas Tech run by Seneca Wallace. I'm assuming we're going to hear the late, great Pete Taylor as part of these highlights. Let's get into it. Looking forward to this uh, opening, as you said, in Arrowhead against Florida State. This was the third time in four years Florida State opened up the season 
playing a neutral site game, something I hadn't realized and I just don't remember. Yeah, nor do I. Because back in the 80s and into the early 90s, there were so many of those kickoff games. Iowa played in a couple of different times, played Tennessee one year, I know, in one of them where a pitch on an option play was picked off and taken back oh for a my. touchdown by the Vols. But they kind of dwindled throughout the years, but Florida State was a, a part of the program and the name program of the time that helped bring them back at, at least at some level. Preseason number three, Florida State, and it was ugly. Remember how this game started off? I don't. There's a pick six. They were down 24 nothing in this game. Mm-hmm. They come roaring back. Final drive, 38-31, down by a score. And the play that Cyclone fans still maintain. And that and Tony Yelk's field goal was good. This one <laughs> against Alabama, in, Alabama the, yeah. in the Independence Bowl mm-hmm. down in Shreveport. Yeah. Seneca was in. Still a three-man rush. Wallace, he the pressure. He's got to get the first down to stop the clock again. Gets a block when he finds the end zone. No. He's knocked out of bounds at the one. Oh, what a run. What an amazing run. And did he get the football to the end zone as he went parallel to the ground. Well, it wouldn't have mattered regardless because the call on the field would stand. Yeah, no replay. No replay mm-hmm. at this time. So who was, that was Joel, what was Joel's last name? This is the, the, the play-by-play guy, Joel. The voice is familiar. Joel's, it's not Joel Clyde. Obviously. No, it's not Joel Joel's, Um It'll come to me anyways. That, uh, that play, though, still watching back, there wasn't a great angle. There was never no, a great never angle. Was. I agree. People that were, and boy, there, there were local angles because the local yep. TV stations, whoever had the camera on the sidelines, was moving with the play. And there's better angles from local TV than what we saw uh, in the broadcast. And you know, the forty thousand Iowa State fans that were there, thirty eight thousand of them must have had a seat on the goal line because I think I've heard from everyone. <laughs> I had a great yeah, angle yeah, for that yeah. one, and he was in. I think he was in too. Regardless. Four seconds left. They get one final play to get it in and perhaps force overtime against Florida State. Here it is, the final play of the game. Obviously, here here's the play of the year. Will we play right here? Time or not? Rutland in the eye. The option. Wallace has a crease. Doesn't get there. It's over, and Florida State prevails. What a stop by the Seminoles. You knew it was coming. They went short side with yeah. the option play. Yeah, knew it was coming. Would you like to see him roll yeah, out? Yeah, I didn't like the Well, obviously, hindsight. And they were at the was. one. That offensive line was okay. Mm-hmm. Probably not a push against that Florida State front. We're just a quarterback sneak going that route. You knew you had to play. You had one play to get it done. Option to the short side. And there was... Plenty of consternation I heard from Cyclone fans after yeah. the play call on that final call there. It was inches away from... Do you think they go for two? They score there. Would have made it 38-37. Yes. I w- you know what? I, With I, all the momentum that I was there. I wonder if we ever asked McCarney that. I mean, I'm sure it was asked, but... Sure, it had to have been. Yes, yeah. yeah I I would have. Yes. You know, number three teams on the other side of the field. Florida State. Yeah, go for two. Iowa State tried that against Oklahoma this year. Didn't come out. But ultimately, it's a 38-31 loss. From there, Iowa State, they come back. They get Kansas in Week 2. Kind of weird scheduling. It is weird. And a dominating performance. They win 45-3 after that. Tennessee Tech at Jack Trice, 58-6. Couple of easy victories. Now they go to Iowa. They bring in a winning streak into this game. Mm -hmm. But Hawkeye fans... 
This one among them thought this is the time <laughs> it's going to end. This was a very good Iowa team. Iowa was off to the great start. ESPN two national broadcast there late evening, uh, early evening Five kickoff. O'clock. Oh, it was so so it good. Was. That environment and the aftermath. What happened afterwards? This was the impetus that really shut down a lot of the tailgating efforts right around the stadium. Mm. Some of the student lots after this season were shut down, and this was a big part of it. I remember walking through. I think I told you the story before. I lost my wallet at this game. Went back Sunday morning, walking around the stadium, hoping to get in, and somebody maybe found it. Of course, that didn't happen. But just walking through the parking lots that Sunday morning, it it looked like a war zone. It was just, I mean, just... Cans all over the place, trash, puke, you name it. It was absolutely wrecked around there. The game, though, I walked to another big start there. Down 24 nothing against Florida State, down 24-7, but here come the Cyclones once again as they come back. And the first touchdown really made, I think, Cyclone fans believe, Gonna come back and win this game. Seneca Wallace again. Here, second and goal, seven and a half yard line, and Wallace on the slant in has a touchdown to Ball Montgomery. This is a perfectly thrown football on the quick slant, a play that's almost impossible to defend. Again, the corner must keep inside leverage, and in this case, he simply does not do that. Here in the band in the background. We don't want bands to go away after last year's debacle. So well, you know what? That, that's an interesting. What will they do this year for bands? Will Vance oh, be allowed? Haven't heard anything on that front. Nor have I. I wonder. Yeah. It would certainly add to the ambiance of the game. You're not going to have a full stadium, but at least you'll True. have the you'll band the in band. there. And you'll get some of the sounds that well, you're used be to plenty in college of, Do you want to spread out the band? I don't, you, 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 you got room to do it. Yeah, but do you do that if you're a band? I mean, what does that do to the sound of the band? Not, spread I, out I, the band. I have no idea. <laughs> Nor do I. What that's going to look like and sound like. And the avalanche you can't wear a mask your, if you're in the band. You cannot. Not, not be very effective right. if you're wearing a mask. Right afterwards, it continues to go downhill for Iowa. Seemingly right after this play, here is the defense for the clones making the play against Brad Banks. Bakers to him. Billets almost coming with the safety blitz. They knock it free from Banks again. Recovered by Iowa State. Tim to break the nose guard. Number 91, Tim Debrink. There he is making the play. How many fumbles were in that second? Weren't there a pile of them? There were, I think, the back-to-back ones from Banks, one of them. And there was maybe one more. Yeah, I think three overall because he had his hand taped at halftime. Oh. And Brad Banks said after the game he thought maybe his hand was taped too tight. At least that was the excuse Mm. that was given of the fumbles because one of those plays, he wasn't even touched. Mm -hmm. The ball just fell out of his hands. This one, it was a play by Iowa State from behind. A couple of guys came in. And Jermel Lewis had just come in at running back, missed a block on a guy coming from the outside. He had to step up, got hit from behind. And then didn't see the field again. And the fumble <laughs> comes out there. They score right away. It is well, a name I think a lot of people here in central Iowa know. Scoring to give Iowa State the lead. So it's an inch and a half away. And this time they give to the fullback and a touchdown for Joe Woodley and State lead. How about that? Woodley with the touchdown, 28-24. Cyclones aren't over. The defense again coming up. This time, they get a deuce. And now a chance to keep the Hawkeyes pinned back in the shadow of their own goal. With to Aaron Gregg, who is caught in the end zone. Safety. Yeah, he didn't get out. Absolutely. There's Golick. Mike it Golick. is Golick. Yeah. Who is he working with? 
There, yeah, it was I a three-man booth. I can't remember who the other name is in there, but a three-man booth. That made it 30-24. They scored another touchdown. Iowa with a late one, 36-31 the final, and Iowa State goes to 3-1 and in the 2002 season. Let's uh, continue. Let's go to Nebraska next. Okay. This one, one of the few top 20 matchups between Iowa State and Nebraska, maybe the only would that be fair? Uh, I think. Well, I don't know offhand. Uh, Couldn't have been a lot of them. Number 20, Nebraska. Number 19, Iowa State, as they jump into the rankings after the win against Iowa to number 21. They're at 19 at this point. And this was a domination, dominating effort from ISU. Another good drop by Brandon Brown right into that zone. Second and goal at the seven. And Wallace rolling to his right. Running at the five. He's in. Touchdown. Seneca Wallace takes it and he's bent by the linebacker. Touchdown, Iowa State. And the Cyclones counter off a Nebraska turnover to make it 32-14. 32-14, the uh, point in that one. Pete Taylor on the call. And Eric Heft, we heard at the beginning of it. Yes, from the Cyclone Radio Network. 36-14 and the... Fans rush the field after the win against the Cornhuskers. We go next a week later, as at this point, they're up to 5-1, 11th in the country. Here comes Texas Tech. Oh, maybe the more one of the more memorable play-by-play calls in Iowa State history. Here's Wallace pumping, looking, running to his right, looking, and he's going to be almost caught. Now he's running at the 25 and runs down the sideline, back to the 10. Now he's giving Brown, goes around to the 10, to the left side, to the 5, touchdown! Oh my goodness, what a run by Wallace! He was so good, Trent. Yeah, Pete Taylor, an all-timer, no doubt. Seneca Wallace, too. That, that, both, both sides of it <laughs> yeah. were really, really good. That play, I remember there was a diagram. I think it might have been in the register mm-hmm. afterwards. I remember and showing that too. how much ground that he yep. covered on that play. It harkened back to the days of the Big Peach and mm-hmm. how they'd have all the pictures because a lot of times you didn't see these games on television and having that. And You know, I cheated. Nine of the 12 Iowa State games that year were televised. They were. That's pretty good for those days. Yes, it was. A 31-17 win for Iowa State. And now it's time for Boomer Sooner, a top 10 Iowa State team. Unbelievable. Number nine the in the country. Favorites. Well, it was bad early. And, uh, well, here's a low light for you. Things got started for the Sooners. He's already returned two punts for touchdowns this year. Here comes Derek Strayton. He blocked it into the end zone. Touchdown, Oklahoma. That was the first score. There's a lot more from the yeah, Sooners. Yeah, let's just go past those. 49-3, Woo. ABC, national yep. broadcast, the yep. buzz. Yep. I remember the game day had a big, big feature on Seneca Wallace. Mm-hmm. I believe it was that morning leading in to the games that day. Johnny was the favorite. He was the favorite. He was the face of college yeah. football for a good three, four yeah. weeks. And leading into that moment, they lose it there. They go to Texas the week after, lose 21-10, get their final victory of the year, 42-35. And at that point, it still felt they could salvage something. When your three losses at this point are to Florida State, Oklahoma and Texas, all of them ranked in the top seven nationally when you played them, you're going to be okay. Lots to play for. But you have number 12, K-State. Talked about this at the top. They yeah. lose 58 I didn't seven. remember it was that bad. Remember it was bad. Just, yeah, I, I, didn't, I, I could not have, wouldn't have got that in a million years. They go to Folsom Field. They get beat 41-27 by Colorado. And then the game, 
to finish up the year. All right, get a win, get a little positive mm-hmm. momentum, and with it, not have to go to Boise. Yeah. <laughs> UConn coming to town, a team that was transitioning from one double A to one A at the time. Beat them handily, 37-20. It wasn't close. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing that score at an Iowa game that I was at at the time, and what happened here? You said you called it, though. I did on the radio, yeah. I thought they were just they were they're done. They looked done. Yeah, you know, long losing streak and didn't get any better when they got to Boise. No, and uh, that one they were down early, down throughout the second half. Boise State pulled Seneca away. Seneca got hurt. Um, and I saw one of my buddies was in the crowd that day. He made his way out to Boise. We were in college at the time, and there was a cutaway, and you could see him. And we are all sitting at an outdoor outdoor door bar in Miami. My buddy. Oh, because you're at the Orange Bowl. At the Orange Bowl. <laughs> nice. And he is in Boise, and it was oh, rainy my. and just looked awful. And I will tell you, we all had a good chuckle at that one. Yeah. And still to this day, like to bring that one up. <laughs> Him in the snow That's in Boise. That's mean. That's mean. Us hanging out in Miami. Uh, uh, thank you to Roshan Corporation for making this possible. Trent, tell us about that, and then we'll take a break at Dave Sprowin here. Yeah, Roshan Corporation, they can help you out with both small-scale project and big projects. You see them across the Des Moines metro, a big supporter of what we're doing here. They also bring you our hard hat player of the game and our high school baseball mm-hmm. play-by-play. A big thank you to Roshan Corporation. Find them online, RoshanIA.com. We'll catch up with Iowa State. More on the clones with Dave Sproul, K-A-S-I. Iowa conversation with Tom Cakert in about 20 minutes. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO 106. Bill Reichart, Golf Classic. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. April Levine. Yeah, is look it? At you. Avril Levine, number one, September 2002. Was it really? Uh, Miller Condon, welcome back. Boy, I'm Florida, 9,000 cases today. Jeez. That's New cases today. Significant. That and is a the spike. NBA moves off to Florida. Good luck. Uh, let's get Dave Brown here. One other thing before we get Dave Brown here. Yeah. Joel Myers. I couldn't pull the play by play guy's name. Joel That's Myers. That's a great pull. Did somebody help you out or no, did it come you know to what? You? It, when I was. It dawned on me that he was also the voice of the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, okay. Uh, Bob Dyer and I had him on all the time during football. Season. Oh, really? He loved, I don't know why he loved coming on with us. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joel Myers. Anyways, uh, let's get Dave Sproul in here. Uh, Dave, good to talk to you. Trent and Ken, we were just reminiscing about the 2002 Iowa State football team, memorable for so many reasons. Seneca, was he in or was he out? Or was he out of bounds? Obviously, the comeback at Kinnick Stadium, the run versus Texas Tech. Uh, get to Oklahoma and essentially went uh, downhill from there. But boy, oh boy. Uh, they certainly were on top of the football world for a while, Dave Sproul. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to imagine sometimes when you look back and say, I would say that a team in the top 10 and the leading Heisman Trophy contender at one right. point in the season. And there's not very often you can, you can say that about an Iowa State football team. No, no doubt about it. You know, uh, Seneca is, um, look, at he's... <laughs> 
He, he's always going to. He's one of those guys that if you're a Cyclone fan, you'll always remember. You know, I was there. You know, I know Jack Trice at the time probably held what fifty thousand. Uh, if uh, if you were listening to people, that uh, there were probably a hundred thousand people uh, in the stadium that night for that run. Uh, but boy, oh boy, what a, what an incredible college! And look, he went on to have a decent NFL career as well. But man, oh man, what a player at Iowa State. Uh, for my money, you know, I mean, you can talk about numbers and production and things like that. For me, I, I think he's the most exciting Iowa State football player I've ever watched just because you knew at any time he could make some kind of crazy play that nobody else can really make. And there have been other quarterbacks. And Brett Meyer had a great career at Iowa State. And Brock Purdy's on his way to, mm-hmm. you know, totally rewriting the, the record book here. But just, just that explosiveness, that improvisational ability that Seneca Wallace brought to the field for Iowa State, I think he he's pretty much on top of my list when it comes to just the most exciting players, uh, at least football players, uh, that I've seen in my time at Iowa State. Dave, uh, what were you doing at the time? Were you on the Cyclone beat? What uh, Give us the timeline for you during that O two 2 season. That was actually my first season as a, a student on campus okay. at Iowa State. So it was, it was uh, really interesting. I made road trips down to Kansas City and to Iowa City, and I went – to that game in Norman as well with a uh, crew from the student radio station. Oh. Uh, we were announcing that game and ran out of things to talk about pretty quick. Uh, also, I was, I was at the game against Missouri. The game at Jack Troy Stadium against Missouri is a little bit underrated that season because I don't believe it was on TV. It wasn't. It was, no, it, re- it wasn't. It, it, was, it was just an incredible duel between Seneca Wallace for Iowa State and, and Brad Smith for Missouri. Mm-hmm. Seneca ended up uh, with about 500 yards of total offense, set a record, and Iowa State scored with like 30 seconds left to win that game, but it was just a back and forth game between those these two really electrifying quarterbacks yeah. who were carrying their entire offenses up and down the field with them. And uh, Iowa State eventually pulled out a 42-35 win, and I was part of that student radio broadcast crew for that one. And, and that one just stands out in my mind so much because I, I knew even then that it, it probably was going to be overshadowed because it wasn't on TV mm-hmm. and it wasn't quite the same level as a Florida State or Iowa. But that was really one of the most exciting games. Uh, that I can remember seeing at Jack Trice. Interesting. Now, did you make your way to uh, Boise for the Humanitarian Bowl? Luckily, I did not. <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I did not miss much. I've heard Randy Peterson talk about covering that game enough. I know that yeah. I did not miss out on a lot of fun. I know, I bet. So let's get to the here and now. And uh, look, I, by all accounts, Steve Proman, he's going to need some help from the NCAA, but um, uh, Potentially, fingers crossed, if it works out, going to get two good players. The lead, the most recent, um, uh, Blake Hinson from Ole Miss, who played against Iowa State uh, in the SEC Big Twelve uh, Challenge a couple of years ago, uh, when Hinson was a French was a freshman. This is a really good get, and they could use this guy and use him right away. What do you think? What I mean, we never know what the NCAA is going to do, but this is a pretty good pull for Prome. Yeah, it's it's very good considering the time of year, you know, where we are in the recruiting calendar and the whole cycle of, of transfers and all that, along with everything else that's going on in the world to, to get a player of this caliber in. And he's not going to step in. He's not going to probably change the world right away. But you're talking about a guy who can do a lot of things for you, play out on the wing at 6-7 and score 10 points, four and a half rebounds, and assist and a half per game. So he's got some versatility to his game, which is super important, of course, in in basketball today. And if he becomes immediately eligible for Iowa State, it becomes even that much more, uh, that, that much bigger for Iowa State uh, in terms of his impact on the court. He's probably not going to alone, you know, make the difference between going to the tournament and not going to the tournament. But, you know, we talked before and I, I said that, you know, the roster they had at that time uh, did not look like a tournament team. 
if Henson is eligible this season, they look a lot more like a tournament team. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I'd put them as a bubble team right now if, if Henson is eligible to play this, this season. Uh, that's what a good pickup this guy is. And, and he, again, he can't carry that offense, but when you throw him in there in the mix with everything else they have, the new guys coming in, what's coming back, and, and the other transfers, uh, he is a very, he's going to be a very big piece of the puzzle. Certainly, uh, Javon Johnson, he'll be eligible yeah. after his transfer. Tyler Harris, the weight of uh, the decision on him. Henson, as we talked about. And the returning pieces to this team. Condit certainly has had moments. Trey Jackson has had those kind of moments. Solomon Young, we've seen play very well. And I think Bolton... Got another step, Trent. Yeah, is, is a nice player. Mm-hmm. You put this together, but it felt like there was certainly a lot more talent on last year's team than what turned out to be a 20-loss team. What needs to change this offseason, as just opposed to, of course, them getting better, but what do you want to see change with this group to to have a chance, at the very least, to be a bubble team? And one of the things that, that can kind of work against you sometimes when you got a, a guy like Tyrese Halliburton on your team is that you, you're so focused on him, mm-hmm. and he's so far and above the rest of the teams in terms of talent and leadership and everything you got that everybody's looking to him to make something happen when the, when the time is needed. And you, you lose a guy like that to injury, and you're, you're kind of lost. So what Iowa State needs to do is make sure that they're not overly dependent on one player, and I don't think there's one player who really stands up as that kind of guy right now at least, uh, and, and make sure that they're just an unselfish team. Make that extra pass. Make sure that you are in position. You're setting screen for the other guy. Doing all those little things to help your teammate out instead of just waiting for one guy to maybe carry you or create a play on his own for somebody else. And I think that could go a long way for that that team with the way the roster is constructed. Uh, back to football for our final couple of minutes here. Dave Sprout, KASI, 1430 in Ames. You know, Trent and I earlier in the week were talking about the uh, the guys coming back and, you know, the uh, we think there's the skill positions. We think that there's uh, that there's guys there that they'll be able to catch the football, move the football down the field. Obviously, Hall is, uh, is I think, going to have a, a, a breakout year. Saw enough as a freshman to know that they've got something there. And you, you mentioned Brock Purdy. The offensive line is the question. But I've completely forgot about Latrell Bankston, who, yeah, they, they've got to replace Ray Lima in the middle, and um, th- there's some question marks there. They've, uh, they've still got a good defensive front, but you add Bankston to that group, all of a sudden uh, there's a lot of hope for the, uh, the boys in the trenches on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, you really got to like what you see on that side if you're Iowa State. Bankston's going to be a big impact guy who's one of the most sought-after defensive linemen out of the JUCO ranks, and so that's a, a huge gift for Iowa State there. And then you combine that with the return of Jaquan Bailey from injury. He's you know, already tied for the uh, career stack record, so uh, he's a guy who's made a huge impact already on the field, and if he can get back to 100% and be the kind of player that they know he can be, uh, that's certainly going to be huge. They, they won't be able to do all the work on the defensive line, but they'll have a great combo in those two right there uh, to make that for the foundation on, on the defensive line. Chance to be a really good defensive team, it feels like, mm-hmm. and, and Bailey coming back is a big part of that, I believe, for this Cyclone team. Might have to win things a, a little bit differently, and we've talked before, I know, with you, Dave, about the offensive line. If it doesn't come together, more of a grinder, and it felt like there's still those high-scoring Big 12 games, but you can get away with winning some games 24-20, 20-17. There's a lot more of them than even three, four years ago in the Big 12. Yeah, and, and it's a trend that maybe started with Iowa State in a way with, hey, with what they have been able to do on the defensive end because the, the league has been so offensively dominant. Uh, Iowa State was kind of zigging when everybody else was zagging by making a, a stand on defense and establishing you know quality on that side of the ball and being able to play at a 
somewhat lower scoring pace than, than maybe some other teams. So that could be a difference maker. You're starting to see some, a lot of other teams throughout the Big 12 in college football copy, you know, what John Haycock has done on the defensive side, uh, to make Iowa State stand out. So maybe they're a little less unique in that regard, uh, but they're still going to have some talent on that side of the ball. And maybe, you know, being able to control the ball a little bit more with, like you said, Brees Hall, you know, maybe taking some, some time to grind out more offensive possessions and then relying on that defense to get just get that one extra stop that maybe other teams in the Big 12 wouldn't get a, against an Oklahoma or a Baylor or whatever explosive offense you want to throw out there. And that can be the difference in a game where, you know, maybe you don't have a, the, the huge talent advantage or, or maybe there's a bit of a gap between you and the other guys on the, on the other side of the ball. Uh, if you can just win in those margins, as, as Matt Campbell likes to say, then you can make a big difference in some of those close games. And Iowa State's played a lot of close games the last few years. Indeed. We will uh, uh, impose on you next Thursday as Trent and I are off on Friday. Uh, so thanks for coming on this week. Dave Sproul, 1430 KASI, our sister station in Ames. The Cyclones play on KASI in Story County. Thank you, Dave Sproul. My pleasure, guys. Good to talk to you. Dave Sproul, uh, talking Iowa State. All right, uh, Tom Kickert on the Hawks. We'll wrap things up as we take a quick time out. We'll be back uh, with Hawkeye Conversation next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.org. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Yeah, I don't know, Trent. You challenged me, and I, I can't. I challenge you. I also challenged Tom Caker to see if he could figure out the artist of this too. This was a, a banging hit in the mid '90s. Okay, it's called Good. Tom Caker joins us from HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, can you name this band? I think he's stumped. Tom, I was the same way. Better than better than Ezra. It is better than Ezra. He got it. Yes, he oh, got it. Said, I said it right away. You guys just didn't click. I had oh, clicked you over. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> better than Ezra huh. and uh, the conversation. Ezra Miller, no Ooh. longer an Iowa Hawkeye, now will be getting his mail in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, we're gonna uh, get that sad trombone thing for that. <laughs> that reach there, Trent Condon. That was good. But Come on. Yeah, he's. It was okay, but uh, he was, uh, you know, he couldn't come back to Iowa. He right. signed um, his release, a medical release, so he was unable to um, to come back. So that was the reason he had to look elsewhere, and Nebraska was willing to take him. And good luck to Ezra. He's a great kid. Set the uh, all-time record, I believe, for most uh, unofficial visits to the University of Iowa by a football prospect is wow he was there all the time and then just you know and he admitted later it was not really a back injury it was just that he had some trauma in his life Mm -hmm. lost some people close to him and um they had to fallen into a pretty tough depression depression for a while last fall and had left the team so um you know now he's going to get back to playing football again 
is great. Absolutely, Tom. Couldn't be happy for the young man, and uh, I hope that uh, hope whatever was um, you know ailing him uh, that he's put it behind him. Uh, he's going to walk on in Nebraska. So, Tom, let's let's stick with football. Let's stick with the recruiting. A lot of ground to cover with you. I know early in the week you tweeted about a kid who's boy. I hope he's a hawk. I just love his name, Mac Truck Strand. Uh, he's a linebacker <laughs> from the state of Wisconsin. By the looks of things, Tom, I clicked on his uh, his bio. He's pretty good linebacker from the state of Wisconsin. What are the chances that Mac Truck plays his home games at Kinnick? Yeah, he's um, you know got a preferred walk on. Uh, Coach Polisek had been recruiting him. He's a kid from Wisconsin, and yeah, you watch uh, watch his highlight tape, and you know what? You see right away why they call him Mac Truck because he can uh, plant some people, and he's also a running back too. But uh, which makes me kind of wonder if uh, is this kid the next walk on fullback that just kind of rams into people and and you know causes destruction that way um but uh interesting kid hope they can get him i know he's got some fcs opportunities mm-hmm. and um so we'll see if uh if those end up weighing more than getting a chance to play d1 football you know we wondered over these last few weeks what recruiting was going to look like for iowa since then, they got a commitment uh, over the weekend from Jordan Oladukun, who had committed to Iowa, decommitted, now back in. People wondering with all the accusations to Doyle, how big of an impact would that going to be? With you with Rivals, you do so much with recruiting. What has been the impact, if anything? You know, it has been surprisingly positive, actually. And I wonder if we're we're seeing that you know, they've addressed this in such a um, an open manner that maybe it's going to be a net benefit for them mm-hmm. uh, that, that they have. I, I think it was really important that they held things together because something like this can be a complete house of cards, that if one card goes, the rest of the house is just coming down with it. And it, it could have turned out um, really badly. And uh, they've held things together. Um Got the quarterback Joey Labus uh, out of uh, Ohio. Uh, Oladokun uh, commits last weekend, and it looks like they're going to get running back four-star running back Ricky Parks this weekend. He's uh, set to announce on Sunday. And who is Iowa? I guess the main competition would be who, Tom? Um, probably Utah right now uh, would be the. He's another one of the kids from Tampa. He is. Uh, he and Oladukun are going to go to the same high school um, this fall, and uh, both are planning to enroll early as well in January. So, um, graduate early and get started with their uh, college career. So, things are looking pretty positive right now for Iowa and uh, Ricky Parks. I know you retweeted this yesterday, Tom. Uh, maybe I saw it from you, actually, for the first time. But Pete Thamel's piece I'm referring to, yahoosports.com. Yeah. Terrific writer. He's, uh, he's a really good college football writer, Pete Thamel is. Like, I don't know if um, the chances of this happening, but it's it's certainly got to be on the drawing board that football, uh, due to the great unknown, which is COVID-19, forces football to, you know, to move the calendar, quite honestly, and uh, into 2021. One, um, sure, you can do it in the South. Sure, you can do it in the Pac-12, uh, ACC. Probably a lot of stops along the way. But man, oh man, playing football in February at Kinnick Stadium. Sure, there might be a vaccine, and this might be behind us. Gosh, we sure hope that that's the case. Uh, 
warm weather states makes sense. Kinnick Stadium, February. Mm. I know, I know. There's uh, I've made some some uh, tough walks in February around uh, Iowa City to just you know from the parking lot over to Carver Hawkeye. Um, can't imagine fans wanting to sit out in the uh, frigid temperatures that can be um, part of this, but. You don't know how many fans are going to be in the stands True. anyway at this point. Um, yeah, it, it's, I think, a little concerning. Uh, you, you have to be concerned with the number of college football programs that are having kind of spikes mm-hmm. in um, in COVID-positive tests, uh, where, like, K-State has to shut down for two weeks. The voluntary workouts, Texas has had issues, Clemson, LSU, um Iowa's had, you know, up to 12 now, uh, non-specific to football. Don't know how many are football players, but there's some. Uh, so it's been a, a problem. And the biggest problem is there, the protocols are that if somebody tests positive, then all the people around them have to isolate. So that can take out large swaths of, of, uh, of players with just one positive test. Tom Kicker joining us, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, want to jump into a little basketball before we ran out of time. Uh, the first contact for the class of 22 is happening. I know Iowa made a call over to Ames uh, to detainment over there and trying to get him on the line, uh, a big top 100 recruit right here in central Iowa over at Waukee, Peyton Sanford for the 2021 class. What can you tell us overall about basketball recruiting? Yeah, it, it is um, uh, getting tough for coaches right now, I think. They've been busy, and you're just kind of going off of evaluations you might have had or you've tried to have uh, um, that you can have based on online film and things of that nature because you can't go out and see guys. And, you know, I, I don't know that they're even going to get the thing off the um, uh, off the ground to do some evaluations in August and September at this point. One interesting guy that they did um, – offer this week that kind of has some Iowa ties. So Joel Herbert, uh, a kid, a big kid, 6'10", 220 out of uh, North Dakota. His uh, aunt is uh, Cindy Howjor, who was the uh, all-time leading scorer before, um, you know, Megan Gustafson and mm-hmm. Allie Disterhoff came through. So she had uh, was played in uh, late 70s, early 80s, and uh, was a great player. So that's his aunt. So, um He's got a little bit of ties to Iowa, and uh, and they also offered another big man, Andrew Morgan, uh, another kid who uh, didn't have a ton of offers yet, uh, but uh, he's um, you know kind of a low post guy. They they missed out on uh, Gabe Wisniger, who was uh, um, uh, a big kid that reclassified to 2020, so he's going to Louisville now, and uh, so I think they felt like they had a good shot at him. So that's why they've kind of jumped in on some other guys now. Jack cleared at Louisville. That makes sense. <laughs> hey, uh, Tom, uh, speaking of decisions, uh, a big man, a decision, I guess it's imminent. Uh, listening to Fran McCaffrey or, or reading about you guys uh, in your Zoom yesterday, sounds like Gars is imminent. And then uh, update on the injury, the walking wounded, Nunji, Bohannon, uh, and Patrick McCaffrey, and those were all positive. So how about those four guys real quick? Yeah. Uh, with Luca, um, you know, Fran uh, was on a, a Facebook Live thing yesterday. I guess it was a Zoom call, but Facebook Live, and he said he felt like the, the decision was coming relatively soon from uh, from him. So uh, I, I 
and the way he talked about Luca was that Luca is on the team. So and Luca's there now working out. Mm-hmm. Um, very positive about Nunji. Um, just says his ACL surgery coming along well. He's coming at, at a good pace. Said Jordan Bohannon's in the best shape of his life and really working hard. Um, and he's had plenty of time to recover. And that Patrick is Patrick McCaffrey's doing well. So the only guy they don't have right now is Joshua Nagale, who's still over in um, uh, London and can't get uh, oh. over here. And the same thing with the same thing with the punter, right? Corey uh, Taylor, uh, he can't get out of Australia yet and get to the states. So what can the university do, Tom? Can they do anything? And in, in when it comes to this. I don't know. Maybe yeah. uh, I would guess you you have to contact. I would guess Chuck Grassley's office or Joni mm-hmm. Ernst's office or the governor or somebody uh, that can maybe make some things happen. That would be my recommendation, at least you know, someone at the state or federal level. Ben, those two aren't in the same boat. Probably all across the country, I would assume, right? I mean, yeah. guys waiting to get yeah. there, get there, and gals waiting to get uh, uh, into the country. All right, Tom Kakert, uh, Thursday next week, okay? Trent and I will be gone next Friday, so we'll, uh, if your schedule allows, impose on you uh, next Super. Thursday. All right? Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tom. Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. You looking for recruiting news? Uh, they do a great job. Oh, they're over terrific! There. Yep, absolutely. Football, great. basketball, both sides of it. Blair Sanderson, who also works with Tom, do as good as you're going to find on that recruiting beat for Hawkeye athletics. And great information. The 2022 class. Every time I see there, there was a kid. Uh, I think a football kid. 2024 class that was offered. It wasn't Iowa, but it was just something that came across my Twitter feed. And mm-hmm. just thinking. Kid was born in 2006, <laughs> 2007. It's crazy, isn't it? It's the 2024 class kids are getting the offers. I know. I'm with you. Well, Just well. Keeps getting older year after year, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Uh, yeah, Mack Truck. Mack Truck, what a name. Linebacker. Fullback. I'm with Tom. I think that's his position. He's going to be a fullback. Maybe he'll be tackled one year by Pulvermacher, the linebacker from Iowa State. Mack Truck. Pulvermacher. Can't make it up. You can't. Good names. All right, we're out of time. Uh, Murph and Andy at 2, the Fanatics at 4. Tomorrow morning, Sean Roberts and Jared Stansberry, who referred to me as elderly. Well, yeah. The shoe fits. No, it doesn't. Does it really? Over 60? Yeah, elderly. Uh, We'll be back on Monday. Uh, So will the morning rush at 6 a.m. Have a wonderful weekend. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.